when you first got to the varsity football team in Pittsburgh, America, who was the first person to bust your butt and welcome you to varsity football? Man, we we went against Jimmy Wilkinson in a three-way scrimmage. Mm. It was in Arkansas. It was Arkansas High, uh, Paul Pewitt, and Pittsburgh. And Jimmy Wilkinson, who played DN at OU, was mm. that quarterback. <laughs> so whenever, yeah, yeah, six yeah. two, about two fifty in high school, and you know, we, I'm 165, 170 pounds, and I got to go try to tackle this guy. So that's when I realized, hey, yeah, it's some varsity's a little different than than JV. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy All right, welcome back to another brand new edition of the Team Player Podcast This is episode number 20, y'all I am joined by a good friend of mine, a former teammate Uh, He is now the head football coach and campus athletic coordinator at Mesquite High School He guided the Skeeters to the playoffs in a big first round win last season Welcome, Demarcus Harris, to the show. I appreciate you for having me, Q. Man, you know I love it. It's all family, baby. Let's all family, go. baby. You know what the funny thing is? You're one of those guys, like at Austin College, everybody called me Q, and I think half the people probably don't know why I was called Q. I know you as Mace. I don't fully know exactly why you're called Mace, and so maybe we can dig into that. So yeah. I, mean, I know there was, there was a rapper at the time named Mace. I don't know if that was the, that was the reason. Okay. That, that's exactly the reason. I used to really look like him back in the day. Not yeah, yeah. not so much now, but that that's what it was. So it, it started it started in about eighth grade for me, and yeah. now it's a lot of people in my hometown that don't know my real name. They just yeah. call me Mace. So um, yep. it's M A M A dollar sign E too. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it, love it, love it. And the funny thing is, at Austin College, I think a lot of people didn't know what my name was. I don't think they know my name's James. <laughs> you know, this right. I was right. just you. Here's the story behind that one. I don't know if you remember Duncan McCallum. Yeah. But he was a defensive lineman for us out of Austin area. Big, strong, yep. strong in the weight room. Yep. He was a senior when I was a freshman. And I remember the first week of camp, I'm a freshman. They have our, our names on the front of our helmets. And my name, my last name's Kowalewski. looks like Kowalewski. He's like, man, your name is too long. It looks like Koala Wallalewski. I'm going to call you Koala Bear. Yeah. And, and so that kind of like, we're all kind of laughing about that. And he goes, man, Koala Bear is too long. I'm going to call you Q-Bear. Yeah. And I'm like, and he goes, because koala spelled, and he thought koala was spelled up a Q, or at least he played like he yes, was trying right. to tell a joke, but th- th- I think right. he thought koala was spelled up a Q. So, Duncan, if you're listening, brother, thank you for giving me my nickname that, that <laughs> stuck for all five years that I was at Austin College. But that's how I became Q, was Duncan right. McCallum called me the koala bear at first. And he, <laughs> hey, and we're about to have a lot of fun. We, we had Marvin Nash on the show a couple weeks ago. I feel like I'm just got Austin College royalty in front of me. We're going to talk more about this, but. Marvin, to me, when I got there, was the man in the middle. And then as soon as he left, I felt like he passed that torch on to you. But we're gonna, we'll are gonna we talk about that. If you're loving the Team Player Podcast as much as I do, please take 10 seconds. Give us that five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. 
that helps us so much because that's what happens is now more people when they search for sports podcast, our show might pop up. So please do that so we can keep sharing these stories. Leave a review. If you leave a review, I'll read it here on the show. Hit that follow button to subscribe. That way you'll get the new podcast in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. And then if you want to get updates, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, let, let's start. Let's just go all the way back to the beginning, uh, DeMarcus. You, you grew up in Pittsburgh, America, is what you told me. You know, so I love that. Right. You know, and, that's, and for those of you who don't know, it's about two hours, a little bit of change, just due east of Dallas. So just tell us, what was it like growing up in Pittsburgh? Man, it's a neat little town, 4,000, about 70 people there. Um, man, there's so many neat things that, that goes on in that town that has went on in that town. The first guy to ever spike a football. It's Homer Jones. He's from Pittsburgh, Texas. He lives yeah. down the street from yeah. my mother-in-law. Um, we had Jer- Jeremy Lloyd and Kendall Wright. Um, you know, we don't get credit for the first airplane, but the Ezekiel airship is the first airplane known to mankind. It was built in Pittsburgh, Texas. Wow, okay, okay. Um, Cavender's Boots. Um, yeah. Brent Carroll Shelby. Shelby Mustangs, Pittsburgh, Texas. So, what a neat little place. Um, and I just I just happened to be a guy that, that ended up in Pittsburgh, Texas, yeah. and, and lucky to be around a bunch of bunch of good people. Both Pilgrims from there is second to Tyson. Um, at one time, Pittsburgh, Camp County was the richest county in the world per square area. Yeah. Uh, just with all the people and all the things that were going on in that little small town. But a neat little town. Um, and it was a town that took care of me, man. I had it rough growing up and the entire town. Uh, took care of me and playing in the state championship game. I probably had a hundred people there to just to watch me coach. Yeah. And so it, it, it wasn't what I did for them. It's what they did for me. So I, I appreciate yeah. my time and I love Pittsburgh. Yeah. No H don't get it. Don't yep. get confused. No H. <laughs> no H that's, that's right. And I mean, when, when you went on the Marvin show, I could feel the way that you feel about Mesquite. Cause you talked about that. You said, I got to be out in the community. I need these people to know I'm a part of the town and I, and you, I, I, the way that you feel about Pittsburgh, and I, I hear it coming through your voice. I feel like you're doing that in Mesquite now. Do, do you, do you oh, kind yeah. of feel that way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt, man. Mesquite's a great place. A lot of good people. Uh, I love it. It still has that, that old school feel. Uh, but I want to be a guy that they can reach out to and, and, and talk to. And, you know, it's always been a thing in, in around my neighborhoods is that I know the head coach. Yeah. And so when you know the head coach and I'm visible and I'm out and I go to everything that's going on in the city, uh, they felt like I'm their head coach. So I don't want to just be the head coach of uh, athletic coordinator of a school. I want to be in the whole community. So yeah. that's, that's what I strive to do. And now, you know, you know, you let's talk about when you got to Pittsburgh high school and you became, you know, a big part of the athletics program there. But one thing that was interesting to me, you said you played for three different head coaches on the football team, Mark Cunningham, Steve Bragg, and Gary Luttrell. And I guess that just kind of surprised me a little bit. I, I just yeah. kind of assumed that yeah. a small town, maybe. It, so can you explain to me what was the circumstances that led to so much change? And then what was that like for you as a player? Man, you know what? Pittsburgh, just over the years, to me, has always seemed like a hard place to coach. Um, the kids are, are consistent, though. I mean, nobody's moving out. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now, my brother's kid was a, was a receiver. You know, he played yeah. there. You know, my nephews all play there. My, I mean, it's the families do not leave. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. But Pittsburgh's always had a lot of turnover. And okay. so yeah. we, I had Mark Cunningham um, from my seventh grade year to my tenth grade year. Mm. And man, he came in, and and I learned a lot. You know, looking back, I learned a lot from from these guys. 
Uh, he installed an offense that I still know the plays today, 164, 282, 163, yeah, yeah, yeah. 082, you know, 64 draw, 52 redskins, awesome. 53 redskins. So um, I, I get it, you know, and then, bam, he's out, and we get Steve Bragg, right, he, who was the athletic director of Mesquite High Schools, all the Mesquite schools. So he comes from Pittsburgh for one year. We get beat by Liberty Arlo who goes on to win a state championship. He also kicked me off the team, but he gave me a ride home after he kicked me off the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the next year, I got Gary Luttrell, who had who had won a state championship at uh, at Paul Pewitt back in the day, uh, who ended up being a great mentor. Him him and his wife been a great mentor of mine, and they connected me with a lot of good people that helped, helped me change uh, and just become a better person. Uh, but I learned a lot from all those guys. I mean, I went back to, you know, Mesquite and, talk to coach Bragg every year and uh when I got this job I made sure I didn't call him because I wanted them to hire me for me and not because I knew coach Bragg and wow. so he was there when I when I when I did the deal and and uh signed my, my my paperwork and so that was an exciting time um but it was just good man just just I learned a lot but Pittsburgh's always been one of those places that's a revolving door you, you either winning or tying in Pittsburgh and they don't want you to tie too many so love it you know, that's, you know, Mace, you know, you brought up that you, you had some difficult times, you know, Marvin said the same thing, you know, his, he lost his mom to cancer and, you know, and I shared, you know, I grew up in a two parent home, but my dad was an abuser. I mean, as simple as that. So I, I was one of those kids just praying, I go to sleep every night, block out the screaming downstairs, just fall asleep so I can right. get in my car and speed to school and be with my coaches where they love me and right. I feel good about myself. So there's so many kids like us and we've all went on to go to a great school at Austin college and lead successful lives and start families you know, but we all have that baggage. A lot of us have that baggage, you know, and there's no shame in that. But the thing that's so interesting, when I was coaching, I just always kind of gravitated towards the kids that sometimes give me more trouble, you know, and they just a little bit. And you mentioned, you said when you were with Coach Bragg, that you actually got kicked off the team, but he right. brought you home. And now, you know, all these years later, you're still connected to him. So can you just, if you want, you know, if you want to, can you share us a little bit about that story about how you got kicked off the team and how you put that relationship you had with Coach? <clears throat> I tell you what, man, I, I ended up, I, I struggled with authority, um, yeah. you know, growing up because I was a guy that was basically raising myself, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, since like eighth grade, I was out on my own, um, staying with friends, you know, signing my own report cards and making my own sack lunches and, and, yeah. and doing all that stuff. So when somebody told me something, you know, I struggled with that. So I struggled with, with authority and man, I got kicked off of <laughs> Every team I was on until my senior year, yeah. you know, and it kind of worked out. But, you know, Coach Brad kicked me off the team, and now I'm at a basketball game one night, and I don't have a ride home. And he says, hey, D, jump in, and gave me a ride home. So I knew it wasn't personal, just something yeah. that that had to be done. It was it was team over me, and yeah. and so I, I get it. And, um, man, I now, you know, I talk to our kids. It doesn't really matter what they have going on. I probably can relate to it. I have a story about it. So. Um, it's just all those, those things that I went through have been blessings, man. You know, and then you said that you, you didn't just play football, you played basketball at Pittsburgh too. And this is no surprise to me because I want to talk about this. You were, you were a certified Hooper. You really yeah. were, man. I, I went to so many intramural battles against you, uh, back in the day at Austin college. So I figured you weren't just like me. I, I was a football guy that loved the hoop. You were not like that. So you played high school basketball. So I'm not surprised about that at all. So can you tell us a little bit about your high school basketball experience? 
Man, I tell you what, you know, my my junior year, of course, I've been kicked off the team my, my sophomore year, and I come back my junior year. Yeah. I'm the leading scorer, I'm the leading rebound, the leading assist guy. Uh, we weren't we were we weren't very good. We weren't very tall. And then the next year, we got you know we we had some young kids that came up six three or six seven, uh, and then we made a run to the third round of the playoffs. Um, but I have been kind of all over the world playing basketball. So I played against Amari Stoudemire and D'Angelo Collins. And, you know, I'd seen Mike Miller, and yeah. all those guys in, in Vegas. And that's when I realized I wasn't really a hooper, right? <laughs> I was good. I was good for, for my little, my little town, but we played every single day, man. That's we would go to football practice. Then we would go play basketball and one was a big deal. So, you know, we were killing the and one. We had all the mixtapes and, and that was kind of our outlet of uh, it was about six or seven of us that were going through the same thing, no parents. And so we would wake up, man, try to whatever we can find and scrounge to eat. And then we were to the courts and we were going to play basketball from 10 in the morning to 10 at night every day. And so my game got to be really, really good, man. And so, yeah. um, you know, hard times, you, you end up, you end up getting some good stuff out of those hard times. So I, that's, that's why I was, and I still tell everybody right now, I'm, I'm probably the first or second best player at every school I've ever coached at. I believe you know, it. I believe <laughs> it, man. I believe it. And it's funny, man, looking back on this playing intramural basketball. For me, I always felt like I was the coldest offensive lineman basketball player that there was. I said, for any, you put any other offensive lineman against me, I'm the best. I'm the yeah. best. And that's not maybe saying much. But, you know, guys like me, my game was rebounding, box out, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, that that's how football players typically – but you were different. I mean, even though you were an inside linebacker, and you're a big guy. You were powerful. You were strong. I mean, you're right in the middle defense. You didn't play like a football player. That's what always surprised me about you. When I first started playing with you, I, I knew you were a middle linebacker in our team, and I, I thought you were going to play a certain type of way. But it wasn't nothing like – it was completely different than I thought. <laughs> you you played so different. So, I, I, I am not surprised and. <laughs> that you're playing and you're still the best coach uh, out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, man. I love, I still love basketball. I don't play it as much as I, I used to, but I need to get back in it. Uh, but I, I love it, man. I can pick it up. I always tell them off the couch, let's go. Let, yeah. let, what, what do y'all want to do? So but yeah. we played so much growing up that, you know, that was, that was just what everybody did. Let's, let's talk about the intramural dynasty that you had at Austin College. I, I spent four years trying to beat you, never did, or I guess three years, the three years that we were together, could never do it. And I, again, I have a fuzzy memory. Were y'all called Dipset? Or Yeah, we were, we were Dipset. That, that, that was, was the it, time, right? Yeah. yeah, that was the time that uh, Cam Run and those that's guys okay. were in the all pink. And I think we had pink shirts one year. Yeah, so, that's right. That's right. Uh, Dipset. We were Dipset one year. We were G-Unit one year. I was going to say G-Unit. That's uh, what I remember. Dipset or G-Unit. Right. So you you know, whatever was, whatever was hot, you yeah. know, we were going to try to try to beat those guys and, and have us a team going. But, man, you're talking about that team was loaded. Chris Moore was a freak athlete. Yeah. David Ayer was a freak athlete. Yes. And, and then me, I was just I was just kind of the guy that needed to get them the ball. So, yeah. Um, so, we – we had a long, and I got, I lost my senior year. Chris Moore was gone, DA were gone, they were gone, and it was tough yeah. trying to win it, win it by yourself. So, uh, but man, I, I you know what I am? I loved I am man, just like yeah. I love playing football. I mean, I I couldn't wait. Though. It was a big deal. Like we would practice, <laughs> you, you know. So uh, we we couldn't wait for I am uh, three on three. 
Five on five, we couldn't wait. So it was a, it was a big deal, it was a fun time at, at AC. Oh man, I'm with you. I, I totally agree. I mean, my first year, I joined honestly with a bunch of my O line friends, like Preston Cecil, and I mean it was kind of like a yeah. joke. It was kind of like a joke, like me and a bunch of O linemen. And I, I had a good, I had one good game in the old uh, Huey Gymnasium, the old gym. Yeah. I was, I, I think I, I think I scored like 20 points, which I don't typically do. And at, at that point, I kind of wanted more. I got so I started kind of gradually moving up the chain. Hey, can I join this team? So I, I was getting on better teams and just a bunch of linemen. But yeah, the teams I was on could never beat you for sure. <laughs> and did you have Pierre Cannings? Did you have Pete? We had Pierre. Yeah. We had and Pierre and Luther at one time were on yeah. our teams, and then they they broke off my That's senior. Right. They beat me my senior. That, so is that was, what it was? Okay. Yeah, and then yeah. a basketball basketball. Uh, they had about four or five kids that quit. And played I am. Yep. And they were really good. That's right. Yeah. They were really good. So that made it a little tough. So, you know, as, as much as me and Mace love hooping, we, we were really football players by trade. And I, I, I meant this when I said it. Like what I remember, I came in as a freshman. So you were a sophomore. I remember Marvin Nash and Kevin Cook manning the middle of that three, four defense we ran the first year. That's, that was my memory. The second year, I was still a defensive end. But I, I feel like that year was your breakout year, if I remember correctly. I, you were a junior, and we switched to a, a four-man front, some more of a 4-3 look. And I just remember you suddenly came out of just had a breakout year, and you were featured in the middle, and you just really burst onto the stage, you know, once Marvin left, you know, and Kevin left, and they kind of handed you that torch. I mean, is that is that how you remember it, or is that how you feel about uh, it? <laughs> Uh, man, I was always that guy, though. Right. I, 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 I figured that was going to be your answer. I thought that was going to be your answer. <laughs> but, uh, like, Marvin got hurt my sophomore year, our sophomore my sophomore year. I guess he would have been a, maybe a senior. That's right. Uh, he got hurt. I came in. I played two games. I mean, I think I had 14, 15 tackles each game. So, everybody's like, wow, 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 you know. Um, then my junior year, my my defensive line was y'all were good man I so yeah. I just ran around and hit people and I love playing like man I as the game went on I understood the game I was a, a huge student of the game I would go down at lunch watch film uh, with the DC mm -hmm. um, I, but I loved the game and so about you know second third quarter I, I pretty much know what they're doing so the game got easier as it as it went on. Um, I led the conference in tackling my, my junior year. That's right. Uh, and then I was, I led the, I think I was 33rd in the nation in tackles my senior year. Uh, but it was just because I had a, a great, great group of guys in front of me. Look at that. Look at that. I love it, man. I love it. It makes <laughs> us feel good, brother. I love that. I love that. Yeah. You're just like a good running back. A good, a good yeah. middle linebacker, just like a good running back. That's it, man. They made it easy. I just had to go. Nobody touched me. Let's go run and hit. So, um, but I love the game, love studying the game. Um, the good thing about it is I've been in this defense, you know, running the same defense for 15, 16 years. Yeah. You know, I played in it. High school, I played played in it in college. And all but about one or two years, I've been in a 4-3 defense. So um, a lot of the same stuff we do, we did at Austin College, we're still doing now. You know, when I learned in high school, yeah. we're still doing now. So that makes it fun. It makes it easy. And I've seen this defense evolve. So that's been, that's been awesome. You know, and I, my junior year was actually my, my best year was when I switched back to the O-line, which is my natural position. So that was your senior year. And so I got to be on the other side of it going, trying to block you now. And so I, I could see it from both sides. The good thing about you, Marvin, I think you, you probably know this as a defensive coordinator, now a head coach, and you coach great linebackers. Like you, you had, you had the, uh, I think I called you Marvin, Mace. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
you know, you, you, you have the, you have the physical strength that if you need to go meet a guard in the hole or, you know, or stuff somebody in the hole, you could do it. But the thing I noticed about you, it goes back to that film study and the fact that you aren't a stiff linebacker. I think your basketball ability helps you and that you just had the ability to remain unblocked. You stayed clean. Like if I'm trying to climb up to you from my tackle position to down block, you they just found a way, like you weren't there when I got there. And yeah. I think that's your film study. That's, that's just your awareness, your instinct. That, that's my, as a, as an opponent, like when we did go good on good and I got to try to block you, that's how I felt about it. I, I felt like I never actually got to touch you, you know, cause you were just gone and making the play in the backfield. So that, that was kind of my thoughts. I mean, do you, do you feel that way? Like, as far as like a player like yourself that maybe plays other sports or has that like basketball, just that little bit of like wiggle and, I don't know. Is there yeah. something to that that you don't want to just yeah, always? I, yeah. No, mo, most definitely, man. I think um, I was a point guard too. So yeah. I always felt like I could see the game happening yeah. before it happened. You know, oh, this is about to happen. Well, let me make sure I take this step. You know, I was a hopper too. Like Dawson tried to get it out of me. <laughs> but I always, I would always hop in a direction that I thought the ball was going. And then boom, that gave me a head start, yeah. you know, yeah. to yeah. get going. And so, um, but yeah, I think other sports and all that stuff, it just, it just helps you, man. It, it, being a middle linebacker, is like a point guard, it's like a quarterback. You just kind of see the game happening before it's happening. So, uh, but man, I was a practice junkie. Yeah. I love practice more than I love the game. I don't know if you ever, if, that, if you remember that, I was always singing, bouncing around at yep. practice because, and I'm the same way now. The game is stressful, but practice is fun. Yeah. You know, let's go get after it in practice. And I felt like, man, if I didn't practice well and it, it messed my edge up and I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't going to be the same guy. I think I had talked myself and I had to have great practices. So uh, some days I'd be like, I didn't think I had a good practice yesterday. And then I'm flying around. I'm just going to knock the hell out of everybody today. Yeah. So uh, that was always fun. You had that it factor. And I mean, just, you know, what I remember about Matt Marvin, you know, is he was a kind of more stoic, quiet, just kind of like, you know, intense. And you were just, you, you had, you, everything you described is how I remember you. And I feel like I remember, did you used to wear J's at practice? I That's what I, I feel I like did. I remember you wearing J's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, mind you, I'm, I'm, I don't have anything getting ready to go to college. Yeah. Um, I go back to uh, my high school and I said, dude, I think we had like, I don't even know what kind of cleats they were. Like, I don't even know the name brand. Yeah. They were terrible, right? Yeah. I played, I had a great season my senior year. And I was like, coach, I want a pair of those cleats to take to college with me. That's what I'm going to wear. I don't have any money, right? And uh, I'm in a game, right? It's like six, seven game in. And the guy tells me, man, what do you have on? <laughs> I was like, uh, whatever, you know? Yeah. But it, it stuck with me like, you know, I, and you know, I was a Jordan guy anyway. I love Jordan. Yeah. So um, I went and bought, Jordan was coming out with cleats. So I went and bought uh, some Jordan cleats. That's so right. My, my work study money. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> so I always had a pair of cleats. And then they came out with the new turf. I don't know if you remember this game. I had the gold Jordans, right? Uh, went with our uniforms. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Austin was like, coached. I mean, he was telling me, like, no, nah, man, I don't so know. I said, you can wear cleats or tennis shoes. <laughs> that's what it said so I went through warm up in my in my gold jays and then I decided ah, let me go ahead and switch back to the to the other one so I had the he got game cleats so that yeah. was always good. oh man so that, that's that's how I remember you that, <laughs> that, that's how I remember that those memories on the basketball court the cleats 
and then trying to come down on power and you were gone making the tackle. That, that, those are my <laughs> memories, like a little, like a little cloud of dust coming behind you when you're gone. So those are some good memories. You know, every, every person I've had on the show, I've had, you're my fourth Austin college alum. We've had Ben Moran, who's a little younger than us and was a GA there. Uh, Pat Abernathy was quite a bit older than us and he was a, a baseball player. And then of course, Marvin Nash and yourself, all three have, have talked about David Norman in just glowing terms. And all three of them, talked about the Normanisms, just the little one-liners yeah. that he used to say. And the thing that, this is my memory. I felt like I was also, not only was I the best Hooper O-lineman, I felt like I was the best coach Norman impersonator. I felt like I kind of got that, that title, but I, I, I told Marvin, you and Chris Moore were right there nipping at my, at my, uh, my heel tips there. I mean, you guys were funny and good at it. So do, do, you, do, do you have some of that memory or do you have Man, coach Norman stories or, you know, he used to, he used to get me all the time. I mean, you could be in Pittsburgh, Texas, working at, yes. you know, working at Pilgrim's pride, you know, <laughs> all those things that, you know, he would give me, he was like, man, I could, I could sell water to a whale. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, coach Norman. He's like, I got you here. Didn't I? I said, yes, you did. Yes, she did. But uh, Coach Norman, man, the one thing I really loved about Coach Norman is, and I still text him monthly, I text him on Father's Day, I text him on Christmas, I text him on Easter, Mm -hmm. uh, is that he was the coach that, uh, he was the whatever you needed coach. Yeah. Right? I needed needed some support. And uh, he gave it to me. And when he needed to get on my butt, he got on my butt. Um, And so I've always you know, been appreciative of, of Coach Norman, man. Mad about X's and O's of football. I just knew that man cared about me. Um, his wife, you know, they taught me how to interview. and yeah. uh, They yeah. cared about me, and, and they wanted me to make it through Austin College. And uh, I remember because I, I had to leave. I took some classes at the junior college, and then I came back and graduated from Austin College, and, man, he he fell out, like, man, gave me a hug. You know he's going to give you a kiss, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, man, I was just just thankful. Uh, he was one of the reasons I wanted to finish, man, because he, he believed in me so much, and I appreciate it. I love it. And I, I love how the stories are the same every time. He, he, you, you brought up, you know, working at the Pilgrims. That's what I remember is, you know, hey, Chris Moore. <laughs> You could be bagging groceries at the Piggly Wiggly in San Augustine, but you're here with us, you know. And I just—that right. was the memories right. I had. And Pat Abernathy <laughs> yeah. told the same story. Marvin told Marvin said, "Hey, yeah. Bale and Hale, Bale and Hay in New Waverly, but you're here." Yeah. You know? And so yeah, I just right. love that Coach Norman did that. But it to me, what that shows too is he knows all of us. That's right. I mean, not, not only does he know our names, but I mean, he knows our hometown. He knows it just right. he, he just he was that guy, you know. Coach was, Norman was man. that guy, you know. So. Kudos to Coach Norman, and again, that's that's four for four now. Just just raving. That's my guy, man. That's my guy. You know, he get all excited. <laughs> oh, you know, there it is. Excited. Yeah. yeah, I was like, all right, let's go, baby. Let's yeah. go. So oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, moving on to your coaching career. Now, I, I always ask my guests this. So, one one last question is, you know, Marvin initially came into Austin college wanted to do pre-med so because I always ask like did, did you know you wanted to be a coach when you started college I ask all my guests that and then surprisingly uh Mace only only 23 percent of my guests knew starting in college that they wanted to coach and what that tells me is I've had the best coaches in the area on this show it means you don't have to know early you don't have to right, right? any point in your life if you love kids you can you can you can do it but I'm curious about you did you know when you came to Austin college that you wanted to coach I did. Uh, I've always, I've always wanted to coach. When I was a, a senior in high school and junior, junior and senior in high school, 
I coached little dribblers and it was, it was like the time of my life. Uh, man, I did a lot of stuff, even at Austin college. I, I mean, I was in the education program and I worked with the kids with, with autism. Um, that was a, a life changing experience for me. And, um, and then, uh, man, I was in the wheelchair game. So it was a hard, a hard thing to do, but you know, teaching and learning and coaching, uh, and then my high school teammates to tell you right now that I was coaching them in high school. They was like, man, we knew, you know, you were already coaching us, telling us where we needed to go and um, what we needed to do. And so I knew um, I also wanted to give back because the coaches and teachers were the ones that, that believed in me. And I knew just let me get back and give back and just try to give, just save somebody, you know, because I, I wasn't supposed to be at Austin College. You know, I wasn't supposed to be, you know, the head coach or, or any of those things. So whenever I can give back, and I know this is the way to do it. We're in the greatest profession ever, man. Uh, we're the last, you know, we're the last line of defense on, on making men men, you know, besides the military. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I take the job serious and, and I know what it does to people. It, it's changed my family's life. Just me making it has changed yeah. my family's life. So, um, and I, I appreciate teachers and coaches. And they, they saved my life and I'm just trying to save the next kid's life. Amen. Yeah, I love it. You're in the right spot, man. I'm just so happy to see you doing your thing and achieving all this success. And now as we look, as we turn towards your coaching career, you know, you, you were at DeSoto, Hillcrest, Little Elm, Arlington, Seguin, Richardson. And then of course, we all remember, we're all following and rooting on that Cedar Hill run when you were there. I, I had so much fun just watching that, that whole process. But, you know, Sergio Gonzalez is one of my guests, and, and he also had, you know, several stops on his way to becoming the head coach at Pasadena Rayburn. And he what he said was, I took the hard path, you know, I, I took a hard path and going to these various stops and, and learning all these different things. But he said, he said, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody is what he said, because it, it can be difficult. You know, it, it can be difficult, but he believed in himself and he felt like every stop he went to, it was almost like he was putting more tools into his toolkit. So it was kind of like calculate. It was, it, it was his plan. He said, not easy, but that was his plan. And now he's achieved his dream. Did, did you, I'm curious your thoughts, looking back on your career and those stops, do you feel that same way? I, I definitely, man, every spot has been good. Like DeSoto, yeah. you walk out there, I'm a middle school coach, okay? Then I go up to high school for uh, spring ball and there's Von Miller, Saji Gray, and Tony Gerard Eddie and all yeah. these guys, right? Yeah. So I get to see the best of the best where I want to be a varsity coach. So I go to Hillcrest, yeah. okay? Um, my hero, Chris, my wife had an interview for the, uh, the girls athletic coordinator position. Uh, she didn't take it. And so she had told the head coach about me and he's looking for a coach. I'm done with, with DeSoto and then bam, I'll hire you. So I go to Hill Chris and now I'm, you're doing everything, strength and conditioning, your linebackers coach, special teams coach, old line, assistant old line coach, you're, you're painting lines, you're bringing out water, you're cutting the grass, you're, you're doing man I learned how to work and it made me appreciate every other spot that I've ever been at but you're talking about on that staff I, I would like coach Ray, Rayburn Jeff Rayburn was on that staff you know and mm -hmm. uh, so there was a lot of good people on those staffs and then bam I go to Little M right go to Little M and then I learned oh, they're not worried about those things got nice facilities but it was an up-and-coming program yeah. and so learning all those things and getting the call of defense and all that and then leaving there and going to going to go be with Carlos Lynn and that changed the game. Mm. That changed the way I looked at the game. Changed the way I looked at the, this profession. Here's a guy that's doing it the right way that everybody respects. 
uh, he, he's a gluttony for, for info and, mm-hmm. and he, he's always clinic and he's always. And so I got with him and it just, bam, it changed the way I looked at the profession. Okay. So I stay with him and man, he gives you, allows you to be yourself. And, and you know, he, he was the master of dealing with still is the master of letting you be you. And then him still just kind of uh, still having control of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's the, the master of that always positive great, great man of faith. His faith is unbelievable. Um, you know, and so then you know, I started realizing, like, I just want to work for good people. Right. So if it's the person, I'm in. So I go from um, Seguin, uh, Greg Pills gets the job at Richardson. Okay. So I'm working with, I told Greg, we, we had talked about this a long time. So I go and, and help Greg. Uh, we just start his program and Man, we we didn't win a game, but we went from we had we played really good defense that year. And if I didn't have that stop, the way he organized practice, the way he practiced, the way he watched film, the way he did those things, if I didn't if I didn't go through that, I would have never been ready to be the defensive coordinator at Cedar Hill, mm-hmm. right? Just that that short because I left we we got the job at Cedar Hill in like February, so I went with Greg from like June to February, and then bam. Coach Lynn, Joy McGuire goes to Baylor and Coach Lynn gets the Cedar Hill job, mm-hmm. right? Well, I show up to Cedar Hill. I can do it. I just did it at Richardson, right? I just, man, I know how to organize practicing. Man, yeah. he broke down practice plans and he broke down, um, man, why is this play here? Why And it's uh, all that stuff that I use today. If I wouldn't have went to Richardson, it wouldn't have been good. So, and get to see another light shine bright. You're in that pressure cooker. You got to better win, um, and so, but it makes you better. It makes you you, you coach coach better. You cutting edge. You, you the kids want more. And, and what a great place, man! What a great city. It was a great, unbelievable place. Uh, a lot of history. A lot of when they built the Joey and Coach Lynn and Stephen Afford and those guys, man. Just the culture and, and the community. Um, it's what, what you want from a, from a place and program. Um, and all those things set me up to go be the head coach of Mesquite High. That, if, I don't, yeah. don't, I'm, if I don't go through those things, right. I don't think I'm ready. And I thought I was ready, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't feel like I was truly ready until the state run. And a lot of good things happened, and I ended up getting the, the, the athletic coordinator head, head coaching job at Mesquite High. Oh, hey, you know, uh, Mace, I want to I want to zero in on that that and 10 year at Richardson, though, because I've, I've lived that I coached for 11 years, my first ever year coaching, I, I luck into a situation at Clements, we had Derek Carr, NFL quarterback was our quarterback, we go 13 and one, lose to Katie in the regional final, my last year at Albion, we finished and 10 when I was head coach there. So I've seen it all I've seen it everything in between. There's a lot of coaches that that struggle through these and 10 one and nine, two and eight seasons, and they lose they lose confidence, they lose faith, you know, they start questioning themselves and their, in, in the, you know, their, their decisions. You, you, you highlighted, you know, you, of course you had the great run at Cedar Hill and that pushed you over the edge, but you, you highlighted the Owen 10 year as something that was so important in your development. So I just, can you just speak to that a little bit more for, for coaches that are listening that are going through the Owen 10, one and nine, what, what advice do you have for them to, in their situation? Find the, find the victories, man. Like you're doing, those kids need you just as much as a 10 and 0 team needs you. Yeah. Um, uh, wins and losses really, really shouldn't define you. You know, we're in a business where we need to win and 
but but the work we did there was was amazing. You know, building a foundation, starting a pro, but the learning, like like being able to be in, a, like, like winning is cool. It is right, but you learn when you get your butt kicked. You know, you learn how to do things. You learn the best way. You learn how to put kids in position um, and all those things and practice and make sure you're doing all the right things in the hallways. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's – you want to win every game. I know I do. I'm a, I'm a competitor. But you, when it's 0-10, you just find the victories. Man, hey, we got everybody out here. Kids are still showing up. Kids are still having a great experience. Coaches mm-hmm. are still having a great experience. You know, you can go, you can win a state championship and, and be miserable. You know, so uh, I think you just honor everything that you're doing. Um, find the small victories, even when you're winning games. Just find the small victories, man. You're saving, saving kids, and you're doing a, a noble, noble job. So, you know, in our in our pre-planning notes, you know, you, I asked you for any stories you wanted to share, and one thing that you mentioned was you had a situation where you you had a DC position and it didn't work out. And I'm sure a lot of our coaches listening have had similar situations. So can you just can you just speak to kind of what that situation was and then what you learned from it? Yeah, well, um, you know, I was at it was at Little Elm and uh, we played Sherman. They were ranked that year. Mm. I think they scored. I think they beat us fifty-two to fifty-one or something like that. Uh, we had the running back Keon Kenner. Um, so we didn't play very well on defense. And uh, man, I was calling the game tight. And, and all those things, the head coach comes in and tells me, hey, man, if you don't, if it's not better, he was a DC, which makes it hard for you to, you to uh, work for a guy that's, uh, mm-hmm. when you're a DC and he was a DC and he's a head coach. So when we come back, <clears throat> we play great on defense and then bam, he takes it. Yeah. Takes, takes the uh, control. And, and what I learned from that situation, I was a young coach that thought I knew everything, but I could have, I could have, call the defense if I would have been willing to to give a little here and give a little here and give a little there but I didn't I didn't want to at the time and so uh what a great learning experience that um, you just got to find a way uh to make it work um to get stuff done uh it's still the head coach's show Mm -hmm. uh it's whatever he wants and and that's just that's just how it is and and I didn't understand it until I left Right. Um, and, you know, I could have been better in this situation or better, how, you know, presenting this or saying this or saying that, uh, you know, we make it to the playoffs that year and kids are all excited and happy. And, and I learned a lot uh, uh, for that happened. That experience showed me, like, man, you just got to be able to work with everybody. And so um, don't feel like that's the end of the world. You know, right. you're going right. to get a chance right. to, to do it again and, and be ready, learn from it, move on. And, and be ready in the next time. So uh, it was a, it was a good learning experience for me. No doubt. No doubt. And then, you know, of course, like you said, all these experiences culminated and you taking over at Mesquite. And I mean, you're at Mesquite. I was at Aldine. I think there's some similarities there. Aldine won the state title in 1990, you know, Mesquite won their, their state title in 2001. I was, I was researching a little bit. They were down 13, nothing at, at halftime to San Antonio Taft and they rallied to win that thing 14 to 13. So I understand being at a program where, you know, maybe there've been some downtimes more recently, but there's a proud history, you know? And so I'm curious for you, like that, that 2001 title team, is is there still kind of remnants around the field house of stuff about that? Or is, I'm curious about that. Oh yeah, man. They got, they got real to real tapes, the perfect season. They got uh, VHS tapes, the perfect season. Um, Man, we, we dedicate a day 
to the 2001 tips to uh, every Thursday, throwback Thursday. Love it. Love it. Perfect Thursday, 2001 Thursday. Uh, but we want to we want to play how they play. And it's nothing like uh, pulling up at the school and you're looking on a tower and it's got, you know, state championship on it, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, my hometown had one. So I know uh, Cedar Hill had one. And yeah. so I know the feeling like people people want that that state championship. And so and that's one of the reasons I took the job. They've won before. That community is a proud a, a community of winners. So. Uh, it'd be a great place to work. And so, uh, it was, it was just good, man. I, I still, I do a lot of stuff, uh, to, and talk about the 2001 team. I I graduated in 2001. So they went, they went undefeated. Yeah. Come on. Perfect season. Come on. Come on guys. It's happened here. Everybody else is talking about it, but we've done it. You know, we've done it here in Mesquite. And so I think our kids, uh, wear that pride and, and they're, we're all trying to get back to that state championship. You know, and you talk about state championships. I agree with you. Now, everybody talks about the 15 and 0 and 16 and 0, whatever, 15 and 1, 16 and 0s. And, but to me, what you did winning seven games in your first year when, and this is not to throw anything in the past under the bus, but I, I looked it up. They were two and seven the year before. And I've been there. I've been in those situations where you're coming into something like that. And it's not easy, it's the hardest thing in sports. So I, I just have so much respect for what you did. So I guess my question is, you know, for a team that won state in 2001, I, I look back at the history. There were some one and nine seasons in there at Mesquite in the past several years, two and seven before he got there. How does it happen? You know, I'm just, just for coaches that are interested. In, how does a team go from winning a state title to having one and nine seasons? Like what happens over time? I'm curious your thoughts. You know what? Uh, I don't know. Uh, right, I don't, right. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know what yeah. happened before I got there. And uh, I don't even know if, uh, that's not anything I need to speak on. Sure, yeah, uh, no, yeah. But, but I know the thing that I know now is that the administration at that school um, is great. They're great for athletics. Don't know if it was like that before, but they're great for athletics. Yeah. Um, the athletic director, Cody Groves, um, who was a Permian guy, understands football, great for athletics. Uh, again, other reasons that I – you know, I took this job is that the setup's great. They got a great setup, man. They feed yeah. the kids all the time. They take care of the kids. Um, they take care of people in, in Mesquite. And so it is, it's set up for you to go be successful, you know, and I, and, and you got to think too, you got your, I would say, you know, opening two or three more schools could have hurt. Exactly. Um, That's what I was you know, opening yeah. horn because yeah. all other schools were there, but maybe opening horn who's always loaded with talent. Uh, I could have heard him, but it's set up for you to go do some some special things and, and mesquite. Yeah, that that's awesome. And you know, just I was kind of thinking that same thing, uh, Demarcus. I was like, I bet it's you know it, it happens a lot of times because I was at Aldine, the original school, and then think as they build the new ones, a lot of times the the flagship, the original, kind of suffers. You see that a lot, and I right. think it, maybe it started happening to mesquite for a period. How did you? I, I want to know how did you change it? How did how did you stem the tide back the other way? Man, you know what? I I brought in a great group group of coaches. Yeah. Um, that that guys that believe, you know, we thought we were gonna win every game this year. Yeah. You yeah. know, it wasn't it wasn't well, we we lost the first game and it was like, oh man, what are we doing? You know, so we don't we were we were not thinking about you know two and seven and that we were just looking at what we had and felt like we could win we could win every game. Uh man, we we lucked into a great group of uh seniors. Uh, 38 of those guys 
big time quarterback, mm-hmm. great defense, and mm-hmm. uh, and we felt like we could we could win every game. And um, and again, the help, the support that I that I get from uh, my administration and an athletic director, that stuff's huge, man. Uh, you gotta. They, they got to allow you to do what, what you need to do to go win, and they, they did. They gave me everything I needed to go be successful. So um, that's why, man. They didn't. They took the handcuffs off and said, y'all go win games, and so we did. Can you we talk did. about that big playoff win? I mean, that big win over Saxe, 42-19. Just, well, just can you describe the experience and just the, 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 the jubilation in the locker room after the game? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know me, I'm super stressed uh, during yeah. those games. Sure. Uh, and, I, yeah. and I try to do my best to enjoy – enjoy wins uh, I probably you know hate losing more than I like winning mm-hmm. um, but I uh, you know going into that that Saxon game you know we got in into the playoffs our goal for our program is make it to the third round of the playoffs right so the kids we're ready to go man we our kids were fresh they were flying around um, and then pre-game when we were we were hooting and hollering and jumping around and I looked over and they were not. I said, okay, uh, it's going to be a good one today. So yeah. uh, our kids responded, man. They, they they got after it. Hadn't won a playoff game in a while. Uh, but it, you're talking about the whole school was excited. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole community was excited. Um, it, was, it was just a, a great, great, great feeling, man. And we need to get back to that. That's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things, a lot of coaches listen to this podcast, but I want players, uh, you know, parents to listen also, you know, and, you know, I mean, it's like, I was listening to a, a podcast, uh, Hanging of Coach Noonan, that's another really good podcast, or maybe it was Marvin's podcast, but anyhow, uh, they had a coach on Zach Kelly, who I believe you could probably coach with at Cedar Hill, right? He was the running backs coach at Cedar Hill, and he just, he wasn't, he wasn't talking bad about the parents, but he, he brought up a situation where, you know, sometimes when, when you know, one, one player in your position group gets an offer, what starts happening is the other players or their parents get jealous that, you know, why is my, why is he getting an offer? I'm not, I need more carries, you know? So how do you handle those kinds of situations when parents kind of do things that can hurt the pro? I I understand why they're doing it because they love their kids, but when they start doing some of those things that can really kind of hurt the program or or bring negativity into it, how do you, what advice would you give to parents in those kinds of situations? Uh, uh, The biggest thing, uh, and I I, I see it here, you're talking about 20-plus guys every year getting scholarships, right? Mm -hmm. And some come at different times. Some people get them late. Some people get them early. Is I just tell the parents, take the pressure off your kid. Because it's the pressure. The kid's not really the one that's, I want to offer. They know if they keep doing what they're they're doing, they're going to get an offer. Yeah, um, yeah, they know it, but the parents is why you you don't have this, you don't have that, right? right. So when I talk to a parent, and I say, man, you know what? Just can y'all just focus on grades yeah. and behavior, yeah, right? Yeah. Him practicing hard. I said he's gonna he's gonna have an opportunity to go play college football. Can you just trust us? Yep. You know, and and most of the times, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, their parents gonna say, all right, coach. I said, can you just come to the game? Just tell them, I, mean, I, I love watching you play. Right. Well, I, I mean, they got enough pressure. I'm putting way I'm putting a lot of pressure on that kid, too. Um, that other team is putting a lot of pressure on that kid, too. They don't need the pressure of the parents. And so a lot of times those parents will, will leave those kids alone and, and they'll let them play because a kid just wants a clear mind to play. Uh, and they play so much better with a clear mind. And so those parents start to understand you need to have those conversations with those parents. Um, 
you know, when kids start getting offers, it is what it is. Like you got to learn that to to work it out with everybody on your team. So well, what do we do? We celebrate when a kid gets an yeah. offer. Yeah. yeah. Right? Everybody celebrates. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna be upset because he got an offer. We're gonna we're gonna celebrate that that kid got an offer. And when you get jewels, we're gonna celebrate it. Um, and so I think them being happy for each other is the way to to twist it where you can't be jealous or upset or it's I haven't got mine yet or I need some more carries just trust trust the process and then when he gets an offer love if a coach leaves me and gets a head job I'm gonna be mad at that coach right, right. and I tell my kids that I'm gonna be excited man I'm gonna be excited for his family just like when you get that offer I'm gonna be excited for your family so that's how we flip it that's how we spin it and uh, that's what we believe you know, you talked about when you were at DeSoto, you, you, you saw several Aggies that became pros, you know, Vaughn Miller, Cyrus Gray, uh, you know, uh, Gerard Eddy, Jakeem Grant. Uh, the list goes on and on. He played against Jimmy Wilkerson, DeCorian Birmingham, Jason Peters, the longtime all-pro offensive tackle for the Eagles, Lante Hobbs. You coached against Jalen Rager, who went to TCU. He's a first-round draft pick, again, of the Eagles. Of course, Patrick Mahomes you coached against. I think we all know who that is. No introduction needed. And then Demarcus Ayers. So, you know, you've you, – what what's that been like? You've really been blessed. You, you, you've been able to coach a lot of like, what was, does it, I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Cause you know, when you look back on it, it's actually really cool what, what you've experienced in your life. <laughs> it is man. Yeah. Uh, and who would have thought just a little guy from Pittsburgh, Texas, right. man, that's, that's seen a lot. And this game has done a lot for me and put me in places that I couldn't even imagine. Uh, but, but going against those guys and seeing those guys, you start to realize that, okay. That's why you realize, you know, watching Von Miller go in the hurdles yeah. and return punts and kicks. Right. He's playing DN. Yeah, that's why he's in the league. Tony Gerard, 86, 5, 300, moving like a running back. Yeah. You know, Cyrus Gray is the guy that everybody's coming to see and he just keeps delivering. Yeah. Um, uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, watching film on Pat Mahomes, I think I seen a receiver fall down him throw the ball on top of the receiver that's oh my ground. gosh yeah, you know and, yeah. um we had them you know we we had them beat we were a big underdog as again the playoffs first round of playoffs um you know had no no business being in that game and man we got them fourth and eight from like the 48 we've been tackling him all night and then all of a sudden he just turns into pat mahomes mm-hmm. and boom he breaks this tackle and breaks that tackle and breaks that tackle and those scores a touchdown. And so, uh, and they beat us when we went into overtime and they, and they beat us, but, um, you know, seeing Rager, I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I didn't go watch him run track and I'm yeah. like, Ooh, it just looks different. Yeah, and yeah. those kids look different. Jakeem Grant was a seventh grade man, tiny. He was probably yeah. four, 11, yeah. five foot, five, five foot, but tough. We had to play him on the 18, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit of, Fought, we had to play him on the 18. <laughs> not kick out of people at corner. When we had him the ball, he was fine. Now, he ended up finishing at, at uh, Mesquite Horn, but mm-hmm. I had him as a seventh grader, him, him and his brother. So, uh, But getting to see all those guys, it's, it's been amazing. And most of the time, you know, like, yeah, that dude may, may play in the league. Um, and then, you know, being at Cedar Hill the, for four years, those kids that I had at Cedar Hill are now they're going to get their chance. Right. Uh, right. You know, Zachary Franklin, who's at UT- UTSA, is going to get a chance. He's their, their leading receiver, you mm-hmm. know, of all time. Um, 
you know, you see the hill kid, the kid I coached my our first year, and you got uh Cortland Ford, who's six six, uh, offensive tackle, started as a freshman at USC. Uh, you know, I got Jaheim Lowe. I got a bunch of guys that I think uh, at some point they're gonna have a chance to go play in the NFL, and so that'll be even even better when they're your guys going to play in the NFL. So, you know, and also you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Kendall Wright. And I, I didn't know this, but it sounds like he's he's from Pittsburgh because you you know him personally, and yeah. he actually you stayed with him for a little bit. So can you just yeah. talk about that relationship of Kendall, of course, the superstar at Baylor and a first round draft pick for the Titans? Yeah, I, I probably every time I go home now, you know, when he comes home, he's gonna come by That's awesome. uh, our mother in law's house. But um, so his dad was kind of the guy that took took us all in, yeah. made sure we were eating and. Uh, he loves sports. He loves high school sports. So his dad took us in. So, well, well, so we're babysitting Kendall Wright. You know, Carlos, mm-hmm. it was Kendall Wright, Carlos Brown, Rico Jessup. But, you know, yeah. we're, we're babysitting these guys and we're 17, 18 years old and they're 10, 11 years old, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we're, we're babysitting these, these guys. And uh, it was just fun to watch him grow, uh, him to become. And I knew, I knew it was something special about him. Uh, you know, from the first time, and he was a little bitty joker shooting a jumper, man, his feet above your head. And, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was a basketball guy. He played basketball at Baylor, too. And that's how he ended up at Baylor. They, they told him that he could play basketball. And so right. he, he played four years. Never really got in the games, but <laughs> uh, uh, for real serious minutes. But he was, yeah. he's still a great basketball player. Yeah. Uh, but, man, when it, it was fun that, you know, when he, when he got drafted, he told me and my wife, hey, you guys going to go to the NFL draft with me. And so we got the whole NFL draft experience. And, and you're talking about amazing. And I always went to Tennessee when he was at Tennessee. I, I went up there. And, um, he's family, family. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, his dad, I talked to his dad to once, twice a week. Um, him and my dad, his dad and my brother, you know, they got some business deals, business stuff that they're doing uh, back in the hometown. And so, you're talking about family, man. It's their their family, so they're awesome. You know, another team player podcast. First, one thing we always do is I ask about who's your favorite, like pro sports teams or college teams. You you gave me an answer that I have not heard yet. And I love it. I love this answer. You said uh, you said my favorite team is whoever I'm coaching for, and uh, you know, and you mentioned that you have certain players that you love, and so. I just, I love, that's why I threw in the Austin College jersey today. I was like, okay, so, hey, we both played together at Austin College. That was our team. Yeah. So, you know, I, I threw I threw that one on there. But you mentioned you had certain players that you really loved. I'm curious, do you want to share who, who those those people are that you come across that you really love? Man, you know, if like if I, if I coached against a guy or, you know, I know the kid, then I start watching that team. But I really, I, I really, man, Mesquite High, is what I my whole focus, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm trying to watch as much mesquite high film and, and ball. Um, I watch some NFL, you really to learn uh, to do those things. But man, I don't I don't follow teams like that. Yeah, I just yeah yeah. I, I just love like, I love it. I love I, it. I just <laughs> like the skaters, man. But I love I love players. Certain players, I, I, you know, I love those guys. Uh, uh, you know, certain like yeah, I, I do. I like Zeke. You know, I just, yeah. you know, I like him. I like, you know, I like O-linemen. I like be, you're just certain guys that, yeah, I, yeah. that I like. And I'm like, all right, you know, I watch, watch those guys play. Of course, Keekly. I used to love me some Keekly. Oh, uh, that's my dude. Yeah. Mike Backer, you know, Ray Lewis. You know, I, I like those guys, the way they played the game. Uh, yeah. 
you know, I, I, so I, I will watch those guys, but just a diehard team. Nah, I like the yeah. Skeeters, man. That's I love it. it. I love that, uh, man. I totally, <laughs> I'm down for that. And so, you know, we always do the start bench cut and typically we do it with pro players or college players. That's, that's brought to us by our good friends at MVP, uh, your team, um, MVP team marketing, but let's do it a little bit different today. You know, all those players that you mentioned today, you know, those guys that, that you've come across, you played with you, you, cause you've run into so many, let's do a starting five since you're a Hooper. Okay. I, I know I got you in the starting five, but we're going to use football <laughs> players. We're going to make a starting five. If I had to say Mace, you got to go win. you're playing for the state championship. You can take four guys with you into that game that you've coached or you've, or you've played with or you've come across or you've played, coached anybody. Four, guys, four high school football players that you can take with you to win the state title. Which four guys are you going to take with you into that battle? Well, you got to take Kimball Wright. I think he, he yeah, averaged yeah. about 30 points a game in high school, so I'll take him. Uh, Pat Mahomes was uh, – uh, he was an All-American in three yeah. sports and basketball oh, yeah. was one of them. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take, I'll take him. Zakari Franklin. Okay. Uh, UTSA. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, he could get, get off the football field, but he was the best player in basketball. Um, and let me see, man. Uh, you know, we need a big, so yeah. I, I would probably say, you know, Jason Peters is a big athletic, yeah. athletic guy. Let's go with Jason Peters. Throw him out there and, and let's go win some games. Oh, I love it. You're, you're going to win the state title of that with that group of guys there, including yourself, of course. But, man, this has been fun. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, again, take the 10 seconds. Give us that five-star review. Help us let more people hear great stories like, like Coach Harris's story, what he's doing at Mesquite. Um, if, if Reach out to us. You know, Tell us who should come on the show or if you want to come on the show, you can – Hit me up on Facebook or Twitter or email us at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore K-O-V-O. Uh, as always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Mace, this has been an honor. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Man, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, big dog. Yep. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head, lost my mind Insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy, and one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head, lost my mind Insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But I need one more boy, and one more line Record the track just one more time My family think I bump my head Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy 